Wine and Crime contains graphic and explicit content that may not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Wine and Crime, the podcast where three friends chug wine, chat true crime, and unleash their worst Minnesotan accents. You don't say. Yeah. 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 We've told say. you once. We've told you twice. Um, I'm Kenyon. <laughs> I'm Lucy. I'm Amanda. And I'm also very hungover. Oh, same. I was at a bowling alley in Blaine last night. (laughs) Land of where people use the derogatory gay F word in earnest toward each other. Oh, okay. I was like, what year is it? Yeah. How far back have I stepped? It was bizarro world, but I crush it at air hockey. So isn't Blaine where cheapskate is? I don't fucking know. There's nothing in Blaine. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a cheapskate. That shadowy place. Let us never <laughs> no go <Simba>. there. <laughs> oh my so, god. So yeah, I don't know if I'll be back to Blaine anytime soon. I think I've had my fill. Mm-hmm. I'm just mm-hmm. gonna stay in the cities. Yeah, Ken- Kenyon's drunk rant texting last oh, night. I had to mute our chat. So in between Kenyon, like <laughs> doing, you were like I'll doing some productive things in between like Miley Cyrus and Bruno Mars lyrics that you were just <laughs> screeching at us via text message. Here we go. I'm going to do oh, a dramatic no. reading. Okay. <laughs> okay. So Kenyon's like, I'm so drunk. Will you please email our agent? I'm too drunk. I need to find out about our tour dates, blah, blah, blah. So we're like, uh, yeah. So Amanda emailed him. <laughs> Meanwhile, Kenyon. Delegating tasks while hammered. <laughs> yeah. And then stop. you're like marking invoices as paid in our official. We're like, please wait till tomorrow. Please. I said, we're like, go to bed. You. And Kenyon goes, what? What, what? <laughs> At 4.29 p.m. our time. And then she goes, okay, fine. I'm fine. Let's set this party off right. Put your pinky rings up to the moon. 24 karat magic in the air. Pop, pop. It's showtime. They don't know. They don't know. Gonna give the color red, the blues. Keep up. Also, these are separate text messages. So at oh, this yeah. point, we've gotten like 50 alerts. And then I said, I'm screenshotting this to post on National Wine Day, which I did. <laughs> and then she says, head to toe, so playa, hashtag blessed. I'm a dangerous man with some money, with money in my in pocket. My pocket. Keep up. <laughs> I'm all about that base. No treble. L-O-L-O-L-O-L-O-L. Just totally changes gears. Totally changes gears here. And then Amanda goes, did you guys remember to post Wine Wednesday? And then Kenyon launches into Welcome to the land of fame, excess Am I gonna fit in? So I put my hands up They're playing my song, the butterflies fly away God Okay, Marcus it. sent the links Through our Dallas show, I'm updating the website Now And I wrote, please wait Until tomorrow, there's no rush And Kenyon Says, I'm crushing it I'm crying I'm fucking crying <laughs> So that was when I also muted our group conversation. <laughs> you guys, I 
only vaguely remember this. Oh my god! Did you update Has the website? Anyone checked I the did. website today? I did Uh-oh. update to the make website. Make sure it's looking right. I'm checking for errors <laughs> oh right now. Oh my fucking god! So professional. You are a queen. What? What? <laughs> Twenty-four carat magic in the air. <laughs> I like well, the, that was fun. The three song <laughs> change, which is no, no mention. Just uh, remix. <laughs> you also wrote our our tour info in all caps with random outbursts. Oh God! Did I? If on you brought a crime on standard badge using our promo code GALS, then you get into the NOLA show for free! <laughs> oh, no. I mean, I'm it's on brand. I'm not fixing it. It's on brand. It's fine. All right. So, so I guess go to our drunk website for our most recent yeah. updates from Kenyon. That will serve as our butt plug for our tour dates. God bless it. Okay. Well, oh. what can you do? All right. I love it. I'm proud of you. I'm employee of the month. I'm proud to call you a friend. So (laughs) for this episode, I will not be drinking wine. Um, but the topic is a very special fan pick. It is brought to you by Mark Body. Ooh, hottie with a body. Hottie with a body. (laughs) Um, and the topic is pharmaceutical mischief. It's a I good can't one. wait. Mm. I can't wait. We're going to rant and rave all day. <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of directions this one could go in. I feel like we could mm-hmm. revisit this eventually as well. Oh, and go in a totally sure. different direction. Yeah. Pinky sure. to the moon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> what? 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 Oh, my Lord. I don't even really like that song. Oh my god! Uh, I don't okay. even know what well, song you it did is. last night. I did last. I was last night. It myself. was your favorite song. <laughs> okay, it was like four a.m. for you. It really Incredible. Was. Okay, Zach's just sound asleep next to me in bed. I'm just hammered alone <laughs> what, in the what? apartment. <laughs> <laughs> my dog is like, "Can you shut up? I need to sleep." I need like my eight hours. Texting. Oh my god. Okay, well, Amanda, what is our wine crime pairing for pharmaceutical mischief? And I am just going to be over here plugging my ears so I don't vom. Yeah, try not <laughs> to barf. Um, Mark also <laughs> suggested that we pair this episode with the limited edition Apothic Brew. Yes. Mm. Now this is an odd little wine. Um, <laughs> this is from the Apothic brand um they i almost always have the apothic red on my home bar it is like such a staple in my household of one it's a good one um it's a really really good really nice just drinkable like table red super fast and easy it's a cab blend so this is sort of a special offshoot of that blend um this is a blend of petite syrah uh, Cabernet Sauvignon, Zinfandel, and a grape that I am not familiar with called Taroldago. Talladega Nights. Mm-hmm. Talladega Nights. Taroldago Nights. Taroldago Nights. Terrace Bagels Nights. Yes, nailed it. 
which is a deeply colored red wine grape that is uh, mostly grown in Northern Italy. Um, super, super dark skin varietal. It's like deep pigmented red wines come out of this intense fruit flavor. So I think this would be really cool in like a nice deep, thick, large, robust red blend. Um, but yeah, it, it's soft. It needs very little aging. Uh, you can usually drink it within three years of bottling it, which is great, but it can cellar for up to 10 years, which is cool. So this is like a really cool grape, but I don't know if it has very many like single varietal or if it typically is in blends, but I kind of want to seek it out and see what's going on with that, that little grape. But what makes this wine so weird is that it's infused with cold brew coffee. Oh, ooh, that's yeah. not good for Kenyan's nausea. Oh, yeah. Kenyan, oh. Oh. <laughs> oh, I, no. If I weren't so hungover, that would probably be good, but it just hit me at the wrong oh. moment. Oh, oh God. Oh. Um, So the wine has flavors of mocha, red fruit, and toasted oak and can be served at room temperature or slightly chilled, kind of like a dessert wine. Um, And yeah, it's at 13.5% ABV. So it's not, it's not going to drink like a port, but it's going to have some like very odd tasting notes to it. So I'm pretty excited to try it. And I was like nervous. So I did look up someone else's review of this <laughs> wine and it's um, in all caps because they're just so wired what, what? yeah <laughs> Push your pinky here's what they said the <clears throat> quote i think the descriptions watered down kalua and not horrible but not good are probably the most apt <laughs> the apothic brew is certainly different but it's not disgusting <laughs> okay okay <laughs> Glowing review. <laughs> Glowing endorsement. Um, apparently, it's gotten really popular. Obviously, people who love cold brew coffee do well with this wine, but also um, the popularity of wine-based cocktails has like really taken off, especially in restaurants that don't allow for hard liquor. And this is like a great wine to have for wine-based cocktails. Mm. So someone made a quote-unquote red Russian, which actually make me laugh so hard because many years ago, my brother-in-law and my sister were staying at my house and we got super hammered. And he was like trying to piece together some sort of cocktail with just the bullshit that I had in my uh, kitchen <laughs> and from the other room my sister and I are like starting to pass out and we just hear David go you guys I made red Russians or I made white Russians except they're red and they're very bad <laughs> and we're like go away but the red Russian that they made for this cocktail was using apothic brew with a little bit of milk and ice okay I feel like you are are trying to hurt you trolling me <laughs> I am, but I am, I am also trolling you, but these are things I am reading off of the internet. I am not making this up. So it's a one-to-one ratio of apothic brew to milk served over ice. (laughs) Then you add some egg white foam (laughs) and stir with black licorice. Oh, top it off with some anus. Dust oh, with no. fennel and call it a day. <laughs> Just oh. a whisper of fennel. God damn it. 
All right. Well, let's pop this fucking weird ass wine open and see if it is not terrible, but not good. A whisper of fennel. A whisper. Jesus. All right. I have this prep, so I I, should. I blame Mark. (laughs) 100%. I should just be able to pull this cork out, but we shall see. Ready? Ready. Ooh, it's wet. Oh, the nose on this is alarming. (laughs) I'm not ready. Uh, Nauseating pie. All right, more sparkling water for moi. I'm going to stabilize myself (laughs) quick and take a sip here. (laughs) Embrace yourself. You should be sitting down. Do you have to drink it out of a, a ceramic mug? Oh, oh. Oh no, you guys. <laughs> Mark, I'm sorry. <laughs> Nino. <laughs> well, the name really fits because apothic, apothecary. Oh, it's a perfect, yeah. perfect, perfect pairing. Yeah. And I hate it. All right. <laughs> we will touch on apothecary. Amanda dives into her favorite. Wine. I'm going to choke this down. <laughs> what is our background and maybe psych for pharmaceutical mischief? <clears throat> well, let me tell you. 24 uh, carat magic in the air. <laughs> Sorry. I so was afraid that this was going to get really fucking dry really quickly. So I'm going to go over some background and then I have a whole uh, case to share with you. Oh, okay. Love it. All right. So starting us off, let's talk about some pharmaceutical regulations that are important for a variety of obvious fucking reasons. They ensure the safety and efficacy of the product as well as the pricing and quality. Mm -hmm. Uh, I should note that every country has its own set of regulations, but anything sold within that country, even if it's imported from a different country, must abide by its industry regulations. Mm Mm-hmm. I feel like there was a recent thing about um, uh, Chinese, I don't know if it was like medications. It might have just been makeup. But anything Mm. that you like put on or in your body Mm -hmm. is regulated by that country. And there was some kerfuffle about Chinese versus U.S. products. I don't know. Is that ringing any bells to anyone? There's been a lot of issues with Chinese um, baby formula. Ooh, that's not good. Yeah, there have been, like, several scandals within China about subpar baby formula and, like, deaths. Ooh. Jesus. So. Got some metal shavings in there? I don't know what. uh, Fentanyl? No, I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) Fentanyl in the baby formula? Okay. Regulations are important. Yeah. Historically, these regulations began to come into effect in the mid-1800s when local apothecaries expanded their traditional role of distributing botanical drugs, which included um, opium, obviously, and also, kind of more surprisingly, morphine and quinine. I didn't Um, realize that those came from, like, plants. Yeah. Uh Quinine comes from the bark of a tree in, like, South America. Is it quinine or quinine? 
I thought it was. It doesn't matter because I'm never saying this word again throughout the rest of my notes. So yeah, the Q one. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, so they went from their traditional role of distributing botanical drugs to wholesale manufacturing. Prior to the 20th century, these manufacturers operated on relatively small scales with little regulatory control. There was some oversight, but, like, no enforcement at all. So it was essentially a free-for-all, which is scary. Mm -hmm. Kenyon, do you remember when we volunteered at um, Murphy's Landing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we'd like yes, dress up in the dresses, and we'd like go to the apothecary. And the guy in there was also an actor, but he was like, took it just really not serious. on his game. He was not on his acting game when there weren't tourists in there. Mm-hmm. But Kenyon and I fucking were. <laughs> we were like <laughs> we were fully pretending it. to be shopping in the store. <laughs> It's like, mm, oh I am fresh God. out of Valium. <laughs> <laughs> Put it in my basket, Sarah yeah. Ann, or whatever. Add it to my credit. <laughs> um, so there were <clears throat> evidently a couple of tetanus outbreaks in the United States, which, which spurred the Biologics Control Act of 1902, which required the federal government to grant pre-market approval for every biological drug and for the process and facility that produces it. So that was the big one. Mm-hmm. That didn't start till 1902, mm-hmm. which is a little alarming. So, yeah, laws, oversight, blah, blah, blah. I had one question that I personally had regarding pharmaceuticals that I wanted answered, so that's what I'm going to share with you now. Okay. All right. And that question was, how the fuck do medications get such ridiculous names? <laughs> really? I, I need I need this information, because yeah. the names are bizarro. I know yeah. it's... Okay, I'm not going to guess, but I know it has something to do with, like, the chemical makeup and then something else. Yeah. So I found an article from The Week... I love the week by a guy named James Harbeck, and it explains a few things. So we're going to use Prozac as the primary example. Ooh, we're going to talk full about name, Prozac in my case. Ooh, Ooh. So the full name is Prozac, and then in parentheses, it's fluoxetine or fluoxetine. I think I misspelled that. I think it's fluoxetine. Mm-hmm. Um, so that means that fluoxetine is the active ingredient so that second part of the name stays the same no matter what the brand or generic form of the drug is. So there are generic forms of Prozac, So, mm-hmm. but, but all of those generic forms will have the word fluoxetine after it. Okay, yeah. And when you go internationally, too, the, the drug brand names are different. So, like, when I yeah. go to my doctor and I tell him here and I tell him, like, okay, well, my doctor in the States prescribed this he has to like look it up in a literally in a booklet I'm Mm -hmm. like he doesn't google it he like flips through a booklet and is like okay well here (laughs) the name for that is this cool yeah I think it's interesting so um also when a drug company patents a drug it gets to suggest a name for said drug in its application to the United States Adopted Names Council or the USANC. You sank. You sank. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) You cursed. You sank. You cursed. (laughs) (laughs) If any of us ever ever go into, like, Congress, we have to pass a bill with the acronym of You you Cursed. cursed. (laughs) (laughs) 
gladly. It's like the bill we pass to make every man responsible for every pregnancy. <laughs> you cursed. cursed. You cursed yourself. Mandatory vasectomies. Yep. They can be reversed, so quit whining about it. Okay, so USANC has its own rules about what drugs can and cannot be named. So these are a few of the rules that they have. Prefixes that imply better, newer, or more effective. Prefixes that evoke the name of the sponsor, the dosage form, the duration of action, or rate of the drug release should not be used. Oh, so, like, okay. you couldn't have a you couldn't name a drug with the prefix super. Like, you couldn't suggest mm. a name that was like super cures all. Okay, oh, you know what it. I mean. Okay. Um, another one is prefixes that refer to an anatomical connotation or medical condition are not acceptable. So you couldn't say. Uh, dicks get hard. <laughs> Dixatine. Dixatine. Dixatine 50. Dixarup. Okay, so it can't be an anatomical or medical. So if, like, they couldn't call insulin, like, diabacare or something. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And a lot of these are, um, you know, they're not, like, super black and white. They're sort of up for interpretation. But, again, there's a whole council that will approve or not approve those kinds of names. Mm-hmm. Um, also, and I thought this was interesting, certain letters or sets of letters of the alphabet aren't allowed at the beginning of a new generic name. So these letters and sets of letters include M-E, S-T-R, X, and Z. Why? I don't know. Maybe because there are too many already. But isn't like Zolfran a fucking prescription? Zoloft? Maybe yeah, maybe there are too many. The generic name would be that second word. It would be the fluoxetine or whatever. Okay. It's not it wouldn't be the Prozac name, it would be the the second name. Oh, okay. Certain letters or sets of letters also aren't allowed at the beginning of new generic names. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, and I assume it's because there are already too many. And one of the prerogatives of this system is to make sure that there aren't two names that sound too much alike, mm. that, that doctors could get them confused. Oh, uh, that's and we'll, fair. We'll get to that, too. I want a drug called Zazapam. <laughs> Zatarams. <laughs> uh, we'll also get to the Azapams. Oh, so, yeah. Hold on. Okay. <laughs> Every drug name has two parts, like we said. That first part is decided upon by the council and also the drug manufacturer. Um, that second part, so uh, Amanda, I guess I was wrong. So those those um, generic names that, that do already start with a Z, I'm assuming it's those are old ones, so there can't mm, okay. be new drugs that start with a Z. Got it. I I don't know. I don't fucking know. Figure it out. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. <laughs> Not I, an expert isn't here. It your segment to figure it out. <laughs> I thought I had, and then you bitch. threw me for a loop. <laughs> oh, okay. heaven forbid! I ask a question. So the first part is decided <laughs> upon by the council and the drug manufacturer. The second part is standardized based on its particular class. So, for example, going back to this Prozac fluoxetine example, um, that is a part of a class of antidepressants. 
all of which must contain the suffix oxetine. Mm. Okay. So um, it uh, and these have to do with the chemical makeup. So that word ex- itself, the fluoxetine, is like a super shortened way to say the entire um, chemical makeup of okay. that active ingredient. Okay. All right. That part um, I kind of knew. Couple other examples. Prazole is the suffix for a class of stomach acid reducers, which mm. is ironic because it sounds like an Italian dish. It, does. <laughs> it really does. sounds like something you couldn't eat if you were on these. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Too much spicy sausage in my prazole. Yeah, I can't exactly. have tomato sauce. <laughs> so an Too example acidic. is pri- is prilosec uh, esamaprazole. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Nailed it. Mm-hmm. Please don't Prilosec email me for amazing. mispronouncing these two. What? <laughs> Prilosec is amazing. Mm-hmm. Fucking here for it. Especially when you've OD'd on Prezole. A thousand percent. <laughs> uh, spicy Prezole. So, uh, hot Prezole right out of the oven. <laughs> spicy Prezole. <laughs> Mama's Prezole. It's pronounced uh, Prezole. Uh, okay. Spicy Prezole. <laughs> We're towing the line here. Um, let's <laughs> talk about our good friend Azepam's for a class Azepam. of anti-anxiety meds, <laughs> such as Valium Diazepam, Preach. my personal favorite, Alprazolam. Mm. Oh, shit. Black Betty, Alprazolam. <laughs> <laughs> Betty, die as a pan. Die as a pan. <laughs> but actually, That's so um, sometimes stupid, these suffixes. So, okay, so here's what I was saying. Sometimes these suffixes are just shortened names for the whole freaking chemical name, and sometimes they're just made up, but they are standardized and they are arranged according to certain classes. Okay. Um, so then what I had actually been searching for, how the fuck do they come up with the first part of those drug names, like, you know, Prozac or whatever the fuck? Mm-hmm. Oh, I have a list of some weird ones just so we can laugh at those first. Yes. Oh, great. Uh, and not well, laughing at the underlying medical conditions. No, not Obviously at all. Obviously not. Duexis. <laughs> Provenge, or maybe Provenge. Provenge, papier mâché. Gralice. Oh my God, I don't even know how to say this, but it's spelled X G E V A. X G E V A. Shiva. 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 Zytiga. Victrellis. Incivic. Like really shitty cars. <laughs> Jevtana. <laughs> a Ford Jevtana. <laughs> Turbocharged. <laughs> Turbocharged. A Honda Vibrid. I'm not even kidding. Vibrid was the next one. <laughs> These all sound like cars. Six cylinder Ford Ventrana. <laughs> Oh my God, Actemra. <laughs> the Nissan Actemra. Benlista. <laughs> oh, that's definitely a Kia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so these are the silly names that I am referring to. And turns out they can just make and make those names whatever the fuck they want them to be, pending Apparently. approval of USANC. 
So mm-hmm. you sank approves both that first crazy name and the second like chemically compound name. Mm. Love it. So then it gets tested in clinical trials with the doctors and the patients because at this point they have decided which of those two groups they're marketing to. Typically, uh, these medications are marketed towards either the doctors to prescribe if it's a more niche um, affliction that it's claiming to treat. Mm-hmm. But if it's more generalized, like if more people are going to have it who are, let's say, watching The Real Housewives of New Jersey on Hulu and they have those minute and a half ads, mm-hmm. like those are for things that affect more people. So they're hoping that you'll go into your doctor and say, I want the Honda right. hybrid. Does Hulu have <laughs> ads hybrid. even if you pay for it? Oh, yeah. There, you can pay for an adless subscription, and then there's a cheaper Hulu that has, like, very brief ads. Yeah. I I pay. F- I don't pay f- to not have the ads. Same. I don't care about the ads. And I feel like it's kind of nice because I don't have cable, so I never know what's going on in, like, I the know. ads world. My it mom really keeps me calls loop. me, like, every week and has a new funny commercial that she wants to tell me about. And every single time she's like, have you seen it? And it doesn't like, no. matter how many times I explain that. I, I live in Africa. I live on a different <laughs> continent, and I don't have a television or cable. Mm-hmm. So, no, I haven't seen it. No. Oh, Elizabeth. You haven't looked it up on YouTube to keep up with the current ads? With the current funny commercials? Fucking rude. That would be good for, like, homesickness, though. Mm-hmm. It would like YouTubing current commercials back home. Aww. Yeah, I don't want to watch them in like ad nauseum, like cable fucking does it. But like thirty seconds of ads on a Hulu spot, I don't care about. Yeah, that. who cares? It gives yeah. you time to go to the bathroom a or check your Instagram or refill your cold press coffee wine. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> thought I was safe. Nope, never. Okay. Also, these names for these medications all uh, have to be considered by the drug company's marketing departments. If it's, like, absolutely impossible to pronounce, like, ex-giva, mm-hmm. <laughs> then chances are they'll be like, mm, either change the name yeah. or only market it to to doctors. And another thing that I thought was interesting, if it, if it is a medication that they're marketing to doctors Actually, no, any medication. They kind of want it to be um, spelled easily, which blows the mind because how the fuck do you spell any of these? Right. Ex-giva. <laughs> it's, it's a wild world. Um, and like I said before, you definitely don't want to name two, two, you don't want two similar names for two wildly different drugs. So for right. example, Celebrex is a pain medication versus Celexa, which is an antidepressant. Yeah. Mm. Don't yeah. get those confused. And with yeah, doctor's wires crossing. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. I right. don't understand. All prescriptions should be digital. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then have like a doctor's signature or a fingerprint technology to show that they signed off on it. But like the f- bringing the little actual piece physical prescription piece of paper to the pharmacy like scares the shit out of it's me. It's like so no one can read that this. We still do that. It's so crazy. I know. I haven't had to do that in a long time. I mostly have my prescriptions just called in by my doctor to my pharmacy, so yeah. I don't have to deal with that. But I have had, well, I um, I've had paper prescriptions for my Ativan, like wow. many times. Yeah, 
That's wild. It's bizarro. Yeah. Okay. Well, the um, medical industry, as far as like getting, like sharing information, is super fucked up. Yeah. You'd uh, think it would be more on point. It's not. A friend of mine is a pharmacist, and he it made a company called um, Doc Station, and it's exactly this. It's digitizing and standardizing all of that information because it's not even standardized across the board. Right? I know. It's it's so it's bonkers. I mean, I'm just learning about that. Like for in uh, drug and alcohol counseling, it has some of the most charting of like any therapeutic or medical field because you get subpoenaed so often for like going mm-hmm. to drug court and shit. But th- even there, there isn't a, st- there isn't standardized charting like technology, like every treatment center that you go to, like charting is so fucking important. It's like one of the most important parts of your job, but there's different practices and different technology at, that for it at every different location like why wouldn't that shit be standardized i don't understand it's dangerous and especially if it's like a if you have a patient with ongoing care you as the pharmacist really need to be attentive to, to them. their history yeah, yeah to, to their, their medical history, history and yeah it's yeah so anyway and no one fucking stops to have those conversations with the pharmacist that are like, I'm taking this and this and this and this. Like, I don't have fucking time for that. I expect that if my doctor prescribes it and then a trained pharmacist is also handing it over, that they have my information and they're mm-hmm. like, oh, actually, the combination of these two meds will kill you. But now I know they don't have that information and I'm fucked. Yeah, they don't <laughs> have that information. So this company that that my friend started is actually really cool. It's basically trying to allow pharmacists to have... Uh, well, to have more information about their about their patients, but also to be able to step in more often and say things like, hey, you've been filling three different prescriptions from three different doctors for the same medication, something right. fishy, for right. example. Mm-hmm. Or like elderly patients who maybe need reminders to refill their prescriptions. You know, it's mm-hmm. just more, it, it allows pharmacists to be more hands-on so people aren't forced to, go to a doctor necessarily yeah. to get these same questions answered. Cause really pharmacists, that's what pharmacists are supposed to be able to do. Exactly. For you. And right. they go to college for a long fucking time to be pharmacists. Mm-hmm. They're essentially There's doctors. a lot of training. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really just the infrastructure and the technology not being caught up. Like the systems not being caught up with the current technology and whatever. So keep an eye on doc station and actually buy stock. <laughs> oh wait, is that illegal? What I just did. Whatever. Stock your doc. I don't know. <laughs> Insider the trading. The stock market makes no sense. I, I know, don't I don't fucking get it. care. I'm claiming ignorance here. Bitcoin. Anyway, I also have a case to share, so here we go. Yes. On Wednesday, September 29th, 1982, in the northwest suburbs of Chicago, 12-year-old Mary Kellerman awoke with a headache and a sore throat. Like Kenyon did this morning. Yeah, I did. <laughs> Slash at noon. mm Mm-hmm. As one does, she went to the medicine cabinet and took two capsules of extra-strength Tylenol. Mm -hmm. Within seconds, she fell to the floor dead. (gasps) Oh, I know what this is. I know this case. Mm -hmm. Oh, no. Mm -hmm. Paramedics thought it was a heart attack, but they would soon learn what really happened. Also, she's 12. But, yes, people can have heart attacks at any age, but still. Over the next 24 hours and in rapid succession and across neighboring suburbs, six more lives were lost in a similar fashion. 
27-year-old father of two and postal worker Adam Janis had stayed home from work due to chest pains. He visited a jewel grocery store and picked up a bottle of extra strength Tylenol and then took several capsules. Picked up a bottle of Tylenol. No. What? I don't understand that reference. It was it was a jewel happening. It was a jewel joke. Oh. Okay. (laughs) It was a really bad jewel joke. Really bad. I'm hungover. (laughs) Ma'am. Now you really do need your cricket sound effects. (laughs) I need it. Okay, took several capsules of the extra strength Tylenol upon returning home. He then walked into his kitchen and collapsed, falling into a coma. He was taken He was taken to the emergency room at Northwest Community Hospital where he died. That afternoon, um, his family had come together at his home to comfort each other. As you might guess, a couple of them had headaches. No, 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 no. Adam's 25-year-old brother, Stanley, and his new bride, Stanley's new bride, 19-year-old Teresa, each took some Tylenol as well and both collapsed almost immediately. Did they die? Well, you'll have to wait and see because I don't oh, remember because I wrote these notes two weeks ago. God damn it. <laughs> A quote from the doctor who had just worked on Adam Janice. His name was Dr. Kim. Quote, as I was putting on my blue blazer to leave around 530, a nurse told me that they were bringing in the Jan- that they were bringing the Janice family back. And I said, well, it's probably the parents because they were feeble and they might have been very upset. And the nurse said, no, it's his brother. I had been talking to this six foot healthy guy. And I said, well, what happened? Did he faint? And she said, they're doing CPR, and they're also working on his wife, too. What That's the when fuck? I took my blazer off. Yeah. So the doctor's like, what the fuck is going on? I mean, you know it's serious when Kenyon takes her blazer off, so this is seriously <laughs> serious. I don't take my blazer off. <laughs> so It's one of the few consistencies in my life. <laughs> Kenyon has a pajama blazer so she can sleep in one. A silk blazer. A silk blazer for night. (laughs) I'm in a a random Facebook group um, not related to this podcast at all. And I asked, like, my post was, I need recommendations for black blazers for curvy women. Oh, my God. (laughs) Wait, you you posted that? Yeah, I need more. So you need more? (laughs) Yeah. I love you. You do need a top hat. (laughs) You do need 16 more blazers. Black blazers. (laughs) A silk blazer. Mm -hmm. Okay. So at first, they thought it was carbon monoxide poisoning, which would have been a rational conclusion. But that was quickly ruled out. The remaining family members were actually... They were brought back to the hospital. They were under quarantine, and they were actually read their last rites because the 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 doctors did not know what the fuck was killing hit the whole family, which is scary. Mm-hmm. Um, so cyanide was their next best oh, guess. Oh shit! Meanwhile, the tainted Tylenol had claimed three more lives. Uh. Mary McFarland of Elmhurst, Illinois, who's 31 years old, she worked, it said she worked at a telephone store. I don't know if that meant she was a telephone operator, Um, but she had complained to her coworkers 
about having a headache. She went into the back, presumably took some extra strength Tylenol, and was dead within minutes. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. Also, Paula Prince of Chicago. She was 35 years old. She was a flight attendant with United Airlines. She had just landed at O'Hare from Las Vegas. She stopped at a Walgreens, picked up some Tylenol, uh, and that was the last they knew about her. She, it's she died. It's so crazy. It's so I'm crazy. I'm amazed that more people didn't die. Like, people take extra strength Tylenol every day. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll get well, to you'll what see happened. Why. Yeah. And the final victim uh, was named Mary Reiner of Winfield, Illinois, and she was the mother of four, including a one-week-old baby. No. Oh, my God. Ugh. Yeah. Any okay. loss of life is fucking devastating, but that's like, twist the knife. Yeah. 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 Oh. Okay, so back to the cyanide. One of the investigators, his name was Pichos, Precious Pichos. <laughs> Uh, so precious. Pichos it's pronounced Shiva. Shagiva. Pichos Puzzle. Precious Puzzle. <laughs> okay, so Precious was working with the Janus case, working on the Janus case slash cases when he decided to check out the bottles, the bottles of Tylenol. Oh, smork. Yeah. So the cops who were investigating the Kellerman case, uh, as just a stroke of good luck, I guess, had inventoried the bottle that killed Mary Kellerman before they knew that that it was the Tylenol, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, So he compared it to the bottle found at the Janus residence. And apparently only about half of the population can smell cyanide. It's just one of those things that you have to have certain genes for your brain it's to pick like up the, on. It's like the cilantro soap yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so about half the population can smell cyanide, and luck- luckily, Precious Pichos was one of them. <laughs> he is now extra precious in this story. Mm-hmm. He said that both bottles smelled like almonds, yeah. which is indicative of cyanide. Oh, I would have been like, oh, my God, Tylenol is crushing it. <laughs> yes, love the new <laughs> Almond rebrand. milk Tylenol, sign me up. <laughs> and it's gluten-free? Okay. Uh, I was just going to make a joke about gluten-free. <laughs> gluten-free almond milk Tylenol. <laughs> Ew. Please. Oh, my God. Um, so let's talk about cyanide a little bit more. It, it is a chemical asphyxiant. Mm-hmm. So how it works is it blocks your red blood cells from using oxygen. So you can breathe, but your body isn't reacting to the oxygen at all. So it can kill you very quickly. That's I wild. did not know that that was how it works. That is mm-hmm. terrifying. Isn't that creepy? Yeah. That's, so That's real creepy. Uh, it also isn't fatal in all cases. It uh, it can also cause just a little brain damage and Jesus. cardiac arrest. This shit is and next BD. level. Yeah, so small doses don't necessarily kill you. I think they just prevent they prevent your red blood cells from picking up the oxygen for just a, a short amount of time, or they don't completely prevent them from picking up oxygen. Mm-hmm. Like it might mm-hmm. be kind of a, on a scale. Right. But the cyanide levels in these pills that they found was through the roof. It was up to 1,000 times the necessary dosage to kill someone. 
So oh, these poor people shit. did they didn't stand a chance. Yeah. Oh yeah. So police ruled out manufacturer error because the tainted Tylenol bottles all came from different places. Mm-hmm. All of the deaths happened in Chicago, so there wouldn't have been any production sabotage. Mm-hmm. They thought that somebody went to different stores in different areas, bought a bottle from each of those stores, injected the capsules with cyanide, then snuck them back into the stores. No mm-hmm. fucking way. Yeah, that's it kind was, of it was a person yeah. doing it. It was not like a fuck up at the factory. Holy shit. Yeah, this was an intentional homicidal incident. I also am not sure if all of the pills in a certain bottle were injected with cyanide. It might have only been, you know, some of them. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's see. To its credit, Johnson & Johnson worked with the police and made everything public right away to avoid more deaths, despite it obviously looking very bad for the company. And actually the the stocks, the Johnson & Johnson stocks, like, tanked. Mm -hmm. But after it was all kind of wrapped up, um, they... They rose even higher than before just because the public had, like, more trust Such in the company. Such a high opinion, yeah. Mm. hmm They recalled a nation—well, they had they did a nationwide recall, which removed about 31 million bottles of Tylenol wow. with a market value of over $100 million, which today would be about $267 million. So Just, just because of buckets. one person going around uh-huh. and— yeah. Fucking up people's mm-hmm. lives. Ending people's lives. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the cops had a few suspects, but none of them stuck. No fucking way. We never found out who did this shit. We still do not know who did this. Fuck that. Yeah. <laughs> Have you never heard this case before? Fuck. No. No, <laughs> I haven't. And I hate taking pills. So I'm already, I'm done. I'm just going to be in pain forever. I'm fucking finished. Well, let me finish. This will help. This will make you feel a little bit better. No, it won't. It won't. So there was also a letter mailed to the Johnson & Johnson's headquarters, which read in part, since the cyanide is inside the gelatin, it is easy to get buyers to swallow the bitter pill. So Mm. far, I have spent less than $50 and it takes me less than 10 minutes per bottle. Which is creepy. Why would this make me feel better? I'm not done yet. (laughs) I hate this. The letter also demanded $1 million to stop the killings. And the cops traced this letter back to, like, a couple of different possible senders, um, one of which was a couple— you know, a, a a man and a woman with like a money issues, couple. and they also had like weird grudges. Like mm. someone mm. had been laid off, and they were like publicly attacking the company, and they they were just really weird. But they were not in the area at the time of the crimes or any time before that, so they were dismissed as suspects. Mm-hmm. And the letter was also possibly traced to another suspect who was essentially just a creep, but also not in the area at the time. I chose not to go into either of those too deeply because it wasn't them. Mm-hmm. And like I said, to, to this day, the crime has not been solved. I still in, don't feel better. <laughs> you will. Hold <laughs> your horses. In response, the pharmaceutical industry developed tamper-resistant packaging. There you go. Mm-hmm. They didn't have it before now. I don't trust it. 
1983, Congress passed the Federal Anti-Tampering Act, making product tampering a federal crime. Mm -hmm. The industry also moved away from capsules, which were easy to contaminate with a foreign substance, and now most pills are in tablet or what they call caplet form. So capsules are like when you have can that dissolvable outer and you can open it and there's like yeah, a powder inside. Yeah, you can inside. twist it open. Mm-hmm. Got it's it. like when you buy MDMA, that yeah. comes in a capsule. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> I usually you know get liquid about. gels. You, when you buy MDMA. When I adults. buy it. <laughs> when I personally buy it, it comes in capsules that you open into a beer or a cocktail. Speaking <laughs> of Molly and also pharmaceuticals, <sighs> let me just... Can we just touch on... Do, have you both seen Wine Country on Netflix? Yes. Yes. The scene when she's like, I bought, I brought some Molly. Like, let's do some drugs. And then they were all like, oh, I don't want to do drugs. Like, drugs are bad. And then they're like, wait a second. We're each on like 16 different drugs. Oh, yeah. And they're going over <laughs> all of their pharmaceuticals. Jiva. <laughs> Shagiva. <laughs> Oh my god, I love it. It's such a good movie. Okay. I've well, plugged thanks enough things for in this. giving me nightmares and making me want to take pills even less. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Yeah. So let's hear a word from our sponsors. Let's do it. Talkspace is therapy for how we live today. It is mobile. It is available when you need it. It's millennial approved. And Mm -hmm. best of all, it is affordable. Love it. And finding the right therapist doesn't have to be stressful. The Talkspace matching process takes your unique preferences into account to find you someone whose style and expertise matches your needs. And if you want to switch therapists, you can do it at any time at no extra cost. I got really lucky. The person I was matched with right away, we totally vibed. It was great. Uh, I kind of just put in like what my areas of focus were. For me, it was stress, anxiety, um, and a little bit of depression. And I was matched with somebody who is an expert in that arena. And you then love your therapist. I love my therapist. I've been with her for over a year. I love her so much. And then we just kind of video chatted right away and it was really perfect. We just vibed and I've been with her ever since. I love it. Love it. Talkspace has more than 4,000 licensed therapists who are experienced in addressing the challenges that we all face. To match with your perfect therapist for a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, go to Talkspace.com. Make sure to use that promo code GALS, that's G-A-L-S, to get your first week free and show your support for this show. Again, that is Talkspace.com. Use that code GALS. Treat your brain. Treat it. Don't you just love warm alcohol? (laughs) (laughs) Well, neither did Dylan, the founder of Brewmate. Nobody likes that unless it's a hot toddy, and then I love it. Mm -hmm. That's why he made Brewmate's mission to shake up the beverage industry for the better. Brewmate's stylish, insulated drinkware is designed to keep your favorite beverages ice cold all day long. Love it. Whatever your tastes are in beer, wine, or spirits, Brewmate makes sure every sip is the perfect temp. Ooh, and I live in Iowa, and it is currently June, so mm-hmm. it, she's heating up around here. It's a hot here. one. Man, it, it is a hot one, and mm-hmm. I love to work on my porch. Yeah. So it's shaded, but, you know, it can get pretty warm. And we all know I like to work with a glass of wine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that up. wine just gets real warm real quick sometimes. So I use my uncorked stemless wine glass oh, from Brewmate. so cute. So cute. First of all, it keeps that chilled for a, a very Hours. long time. Yeah, it's amazing. 
they're gorgeous. They're sparkly. I have like an ombre, mm. like purple to teal color. It's very on brand. I love it. And my favorite part is that it holds a half a bottle of wine. <laughs> Brilliant. You don't I even get, get up to done. refill. Yeah. Yeah. I love, I love it. it. So don't settle for warm alcohol. Chill out with your favorite drinks all day long with Brewmate. Visit Brewmate.com and add that promo code GALS15 to get 15% off of your first order. Again, that's 15% off your first order when you go to B-R-U-M-A-T-E dot com and use the promo code GALS15, G-A-L-S-1-5. Treat your beverages. Trade them. All right. So my case. I went in a sl- case. slightly different direction because I sensed where Amanda was going to take things and I wanted to go in a different direction. Mm-hmm. So I got a lot of this info from Wikipedia and also from an article by Matthew Campbell in Bloomberg Business Week. And I don't. Why do you like love Bloomberg news? <laughs> It's so weird. It's, it's so just a really weird. Good, it was just a good article. Um, and I don't it goes to... with her full back tattoo of Alan Greenspan. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, please, God, get that tattoo. Okay. I'm not saying the name of the article because I don't want to give everything away. Fair okay. enough. Okay. Bernard Barry Sherman was born into a Jewish family in Toronto in 1942, and both sets of his grandparents had fled Russian and Polish persecution of Jews, so they were refugees. Mm-hmm. His father, Herbert Dick Hyman Sherman. No. Dick Hyman? Dick Hyman. Nope. <laughs> That would not fly on a medication name. (laughs) (laughs) Super Dick Hyman 75. Dick Hyman. I know. Dick Hyman Sherman. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, it's mm, it's unfortunate. I love it. He was the co-owner of a zipper company, um, Dick Hyman. And Dick Hyman zippers. <laughs> Ew. Vaginal mesh. Zipping up your vaginal mesh. Transvaginal mesh. <laughs> and there's an anecdote about uh, him plopping young Barry in front of a pile of zippers as a young boy and having him count out like 20 zippers to a box. Like just to like, o- like take your kid to work, whatever, like just occupy right. him. And at nine years old, Barry was faster and more efficient than any of his father's adult employees <laughs> at the <laughs> sorting. <laughs> um, sadly, uh, not long after this anecdote, um, Dick Hyman died of a heart attack. And Jesus. Barry was just 10 years old when his dad died. Was it the Tylenol? <laughs> yeah. Um, he persevered after his father's sudden passing, though, and throughout high school and college, Barry excelled as a student. At 16, he was the youngest person ever to enroll in the University of Toronto's engineering science program. And Damn. he graduated with the highest honors. And Shit. he'd chosen that major, engineering physics, because it was reputed to be the most difficult major. Okay, well, when I was 16, I was sneaking out to have sex in church parking lots. So whose priorities were off and whose were on? 
<laughs> yeah, he sounds like a real brown noser. Yeah, get a life, Barry. <laughs> he then went on to earn a PhD in astrophysics from MIT. Oh. Can I please have some extra homework? (laughs) (laughs) I don't find myself challenged enough. Well, Barry Barry is going to laugh all the way to the bank. So God bless him. Well, I'm just mad that he's not me. Yeah. Well, I'm just mad bitter. that I can't count 20 zippers. <laughs> I fucking can barely count 20 zippers. Well, still in school, Barry shadowed his uncle, Louis Lloyd Winter, who ran Empire Laboratories, Canada's largest Ooh. wholly owned pharmaceuticals company. So also Batman lives there. Are you kidding? Yeah, I know Empire right? Labs. It sounds yeah. like it's out of a comic book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so Empire Labs was the first to manufacture Valium. Ever heard of it? <laughs> sure have. <laughs> Ever taken it? <laughs> Ever relied upon it to get through sure a tour? Have. She says sarcastically. <laughs> Ever um, stuck one in your locket <laughs> necklace? <laughs> <laughs> for a live show ever added it to your podcasting writer <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, to manufacture within Canada a number of other big name drugs as well as the sweetener saccharin here for it diabetes what what <laughs> so his uncle Pinky get that fake sugar pinkies up <laughs> His uncle gave Barry lots of responsibility. He'd moved on from counting zippers. Um, and <laughs> the uncle even let 50 him... 50 zippers. <laughs> oversee... 50 op- zippers. <laughs> <laughs> oversee operations while he was traveling. So Barry Damn. was still in college and he was also like... As a running side a hustle, company on the running side. Running this massive corporation. <laughs> Super casual. Uh, but this wasn't a bad decision because Barry was an extremely hardworking and fastidious person. So the uncle clearly saw his potential and trusted him and was like, take it away. Mm-hmm. In 1965, Barry's aunt and uncle both died just 17 days apart from one another. Oh, my God. Barry, honey. I know. I know. So He's af- about to be Batman. I don't feel that sorry for <laughs> Seriously, him. he's like fully orphaned. Canadian Batman. <laughs> Um, he invented uh, fucking Empire Labs. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so after this, Barry was able to buy Empire Labs from their estate. So I'm Obviously. assuming he had inheritances from his own father and f- small from his uncle. Probably. Um, so he basically bought out his orphaned cousin's to buy his uncle's business. And at the time... They Which makes sense because he was fucking basically running it right. half the time anyway. Yeah. And everybody was cool with this decision at the time. Mm-hmm. And he bought it outright and there you have it. Yeah. So over the years, Barry made a number of really smart business decisions. Um, and his success lied in the fact that um, he had a, quote, prodigious knack for identifying the vulnerabilities in brand name drug patents. So basically he managed to be the first to develop a number of hugely popular generic versions of drugs, including Prozac. Yeah. And also AZT, which is um, one of the early, earliest and widely prescribed treatments for HIV. Yeah. Um, 
Heard and it. he made an absolute fortune doing this. Yeah. Uh, so he he basically just like could read patent law really fucking well and was like, yeah, you know what? I think I can make a case that I can I should be allowed to make a generic of this early or first or exclusively, whatever. And he would like win. Wow. Cool. Uh, so in 1973, he sold Empire Labs and launched his own pharmaceutical venture named Apotex. Okay. <laughs> Appetite. <laughs> Which eventually would become Canada's largest drug manufacturer. And it would employ over 10,000 people across 115 countries with annual wow. revenues of $1.5 billion. Okay. And I believe that's U.S. dollars, not Canadian dollars, although Wikipedia was not specific. Okay. <laughs> Submit an edit. Uh, so Citation it's, needed. <laughs> it's estimated that at the time of this case that I'm about to tell you, Apotex produced one in five of all prescriptions in Canada. Whoa, that's a lot. That's like a monopoly. Batman yeah. is rich. Mm-hmm. Just two years before he founded Apotex, Barry married Honey Reich. Uh, oh, honey. Barry and honey. Barry and honey. Honey was the daughter of Polish Holocaust survivors and had actually been born in a refugee camp in Austria after World War II. And then her family moved to Canada when she was a child. So his grandparents had, had basically been refugees. And then honey, his wife, was a, a refugee. I feel like it's unfortunate that her last name was Reich and her whole family was killed yeah. by Nazis. Yeah. Well, she changed it to Sherman. Oh, good. Um, so as the Shermans were building their pharmaceuticals empire, they also raised four children, a son and three daughters. The Shermans oh, were worth an estimated $4.77 billion. <gasps> okay. Canadian. I Rude. don't know. <laughs> and Barry was Canada's 15th richest rude. person. <laughs> Jesus. Double rude. But they were also great philanthropists. So both of them were culturally, culturally Jewish, but not actually very religious. Barry was actually an avowed and very public atheist, and he would always talk about his atheism very right. proudly. Um, Sounds like someone else I know. Weird. <laughs> Uh, he should be on this podcast. Right? He would have fit right in. Um, still, the couple donated a record $50 million to a panoply of various Jewish and anti-poverty causes, including, like, geriatric care facilities around Toronto and, like, lots yeah. of programs in the arts. They just donated a ton of money. Um, it seemed that almost every museum, community center, and campus bore their names in some capacity. So even it, when you go to Toronto and you see, like, you'll see their names everywhere. Like the Barry and Honey Sherman room, wing, right. whatever. Right. Um, Apotex, the company, also donated over $50 million worth of medicines to disaster zones starting in the 2000s. That is amazing. Mm-hmm. And while the family had very nice properties and vacations, uh, personally, Barry was not a flashy guy. So he spent next to nothing on himself and, like, 
drove really old beater cars until they like literally fell apart. I love that. I know. The best kind of There's rich something guy. so endearing it's about cute, that. Right? Mm-hmm. I know. I want a Tesla, but he's doing great. <laughs> I want a Volvo. Okay. Um, he was also very generous with his employees. So he quote, had a habit of quietly writing checks to Apotex employees who'd run into financial trouble. Oh, honey. I know. He's going to die, isn't he? Yeah, definitely. I hate you. (laughs) On the morning of Friday, December 15th, 2017. Oh, great. The Sherman's real estate agent took another real estate agent to visit the couple's 12,000 square foot mansion at the northern edge of Toronto. The sprawling home featured five bedrooms, nine bathrooms, a gym, a sauna, a lap pool, hot tub, and tennis court, not to mention underground parking for six cars. Six old beater cars. When (laughs) do I move in and get rid of the gym and turn it into a snack center? Snack snack nasium. It's my snack room. <laughs> I think it's so odd when houses that big have way more bathrooms than bedrooms. Well, I love you that. need a few I guest bathrooms. I always want more bathrooms than bedrooms. Yeah. But like, I want to live in a world where I'm never more, more than arm's reach from a bathroom. Would you really need four more bathrooms yes. than you have bedrooms? Yes. Meh. Well, the mm-hmm. servants yes. need bathrooms. There are some <laughs> there are some photos on the drive of the house actually in yes. the pool. They will see. they be on the blog? Yes, these will be on the blog. Love it. Okay. Oh, look at that pool. So the property had recently been listed for sale by Barry and Honey, who were building a new house closer to the city center, and also maybe downsizing a little bit because all their kids were grown. Um, the price was seven million Canadian. Thank you. Hello. <laughs> this house is gorgeous. It really is. Very tastefully done. Mm. A lot of light, a lot of natural light. Mm. So Barry and Honey were not meant to be home that day, uh, but the property wasn't empty. The housekeeper was there cleaning, and another helper was also there watering the plants. Um, the real estate agent had scheduled this showing. It was all, Everything is normal, right? The real estate agents toured the home, making their way to go check out the indoor lap pool. Oh, God. With clients? What do you mean? Or is it just the real estate agents? It's the real estate agent for Barry and Honey, and then for a, a real estate agent for presumably some buyer, but the buyer is not present. Yeah. Okay, because, no like, obviously this is going to be horrifying either way. I have a feeling I know what's coming. But if they were actually, like, walking potential buyers through the mm-hmm. house... That'd be even worse. I'll take it. (laughs) (laughs) To their horror, when they reached the pool area, they discovered, quote, Barry and Honey, spouses of more than 40 years, side by side on the floor, their necks tied with men's leather belts to a metal railing, which was about three and a half feet high, that ran around one end of the pool. And you can see that railing in the Jesus. photo. Yeah, yeah, the pool photo. And there's housekeepers in a different wing of the house just like going about their day. Yeah, like, they cleaning. Yeah. house. Yeah, cleaning probably no, I know. in like the I kitchen just, that or just whatever. Creeps me like, out. They probably didn't have to clean the pool area very often. No, 
For sure. It's just really creepy to yeah. think about that. Mm-hmm. Barry was seated, legs outstretched in front of him, ankles crossed. Honey was slumped on her side and had clearly also been struck in the face. Both had their arms drawn behind them with coats pulled down to their shoulders. And I think that there was evidence that their hands had been tied behind their backs, but then they didn't find these ties. But otherwise they would have, their hands would have been free to like... Defend themselves. And also, like, you know, try to get the belts off their necks. Yeah. Yeah. They were both fully clothed, except one of the belts tied around their necks had been berries. Oh, God. Postmortems revealed that both of them had died from ligature neck compression, which is ligature strangulation with with a binding or tying. But it's important to note that this is different from hanging in which the strangulation force is caused by the person's own body weight. So they were not just simply hanged. They were strangled. Someone put that force on them separately. Right. Right. But there were no signs of forced entry into the home. And they had like nine different doors. So... It's possible that someone could have just gotten in or was let in. You know, they could have Uh hid in one of the bathrooms for God knows how long. Right. Um, And also, a lockbox had recently been installed by the real estate agent, which is supposed to be secure. But like, if you get the code to that lockbox, you're in. You're in. Yeah. And someone, I mean, someone could pose as a real estate agent. For a potential All you got to do is get a gold jacket, gold blazer. Black gold Century blazer. 21 coming at you. Yeah. Um, so this could have possibly granted more people access to the property than usual. And also there wasn't really much of a security system to speak of. There was one video surveillance camera, ironically, in the pool area. But it hadn't been turned on in years. Oh, God, these trusting Canadians. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Ring home security. right? I read that and I was like, I'm so glad I have a home security system. For real. Okay. Initially, this this part is wild to me. Initially, police publicly floated the theory that the Shermans had died by murder-suicide. Why? Because murder-suicides amongst husbands and wives are more common than you might think. And yeah, but why would you publicly say that without yeah. not without having like really gotten into the investigation? Oh, they said it like the day they found the bodies to That reporters. seems irresponsible. It's, I don't oh, like it's horrible. that. It's terrible that they did this. And they were super fucking wrong. Um the Sherman's adult children were absolutely livid. Oh, I can't even imagine. That this was suggested. I'm livid. I know. And they hired almost right away two private investigators to look into the case. Um, One was a retired Toronto homicide detective, and the other was the retired chief forensic pathologist for Ontario. Jesus. fuck yeah. A-team. Yeah, exactly. They brought out the big guns. They were not fucking around. And they have billions of dollars, so they can't. They hired their own police department to yeah, look seriously. into the case. <laughs> I love it. 
About one month later, it was determined that Barry and Honey had indeed both been murdered in a targeted attack. So not a robbery or home invasion gone wrong. Like nothing had been taken. Intentional. Right. Yeah. The murders were also painful and intimate. The killer or killers demonstrated a desire to see the Shermans suffer. Fucked up. You said nothing was gone from the home? Correct. Not that I ever read about. Like, nothing missing. Uh, But who would want to see two such magnanimous people suffer like that? You ask. You ask. (laughs) (laughs) Honey Sherman was pretty universally liked and had a large circle of close friends. And... Barry, despite being a workaholic, also managed to be, by all accounts, a wonderful husband, father, and philanthropist. But he had his fair share of enemies. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah, Amanda for not buying her a Tesla. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) top of the list. (laughs) Barry was an absolute fucking shark when it came to business. And the generics business could be cutthroat. It's basically a zero-sum game, so you have to be the first and you have to have exclusive rights to produce that drug to, like, make it be profitable. And if you get the rights to uh, to create a generic, then the branded drug company will lose a lot of money, like billions upon billions of dollars in Uh some cases. Uh, So there's lots of, like, intrigue and accusations and, you know, CEOs and chair people of these branded drug companies that had lost, you know, patents to Barry, uh, saying terrible things about him in the press and, you know, whatever. In 2001, the book Prescription Games, Money, Ego, and Power Inside the Pharmaceutical Industry was published And it quoted Barry saying, quote, the branded drug companies hate us. They have private investigators on us all the time. The thought once came to my mind, why didn't they just hire someone to knock me off? Oh, my God. He had said that. He predicted it. 16 years earlier. He predicted his own death. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And there were... Ahead of the game in that respect, too. He's so fucking smart. There um, There were reports of like... As far as I can tell, none of these were substantiated stories, but there were rumors that, like, branded drug companies were trying to, like, plant illegal drugs on his person to get him in trouble and, like, all kinds of shenanigans. Barry was also incredibly litigious. He could be involved in anywhere from 50 to 100 different lawsuits simultaneously. That's so many. Very Trumpian. <laughs> yeah. Um, these ranged from Who your... Who has the time? Uh, yeah, well... I mean, Who sh- has the spreadsheets? I know, right? Just, Kenyon. Yeah, Kenyon I, has I, the spreadsheets. I'm on it, but... Who else? <laughs> so, um, these ranged from your typical corporate fights to more serious matters at stake. So, one case that I read about... Um, took place in the mid-1990s, and basically a researcher was running a clinical drug trials for Apotex, and she came to the conclusion that one of their drugs 
that was used for treating a, a blood disorder was ineffective and possibly even unsafe. And Apotex threatened to sue her if she disclosed her findings. God and, for it. God's sake. And then they withdrew a huge donation to the University of Toronto where she was a professor. And following oh this, God. she was fired from her position heading up the university's clinical program for hemoglobin disorders. Fucking money is so corrupt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, because they, she blew the whistle on a medication that was probably dangerous. Are you mm-hmm. fucking kidding? There's a similar situation in my case, too, and it's like, fuck you. Mm-hmm. Like, trying to silence these people and destroying their livelihood for trying to do the right thing is so fucked up. Mm-hmm. Um, also, that drug was approved by the FDA and is on the market. Am I taking it? Do you have a hemoglobin disorder? No, but I'm going to get my period today. <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. So not, not at this the same. moment. <laughs> oh my God. Define disorder. Um, yeah. Okay, so a legal battle in this case ensued. It was drawn out for years because she, she then sued Apotex, which, like, brave. Um, and eventually it was settled out of court. But still, like, yeah, they fucked her career. Barry, Not cool. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, he had enemies. Uh, Barry also took on a bitter legal fight with his own cousins, the children of the uncle whose business he'd purchased. Mm. So the cousins whom Barry and Honey had previously supported financially, like in a big way, um, one cousin, Carrie Winter alone, received over $8 million Canadian from them. Wow, that's generous. Yeah. So two of the cousins had struggled somewhat ironically with drug addiction. Uh, But Carrie, with the help of the Shermans, got clean and bought a house and started his own business and, like, turned his life around. Um, Another cousin died of a drug overdose. Oh, that's really sad. Yeah. At some point, the cousins, the surviving cousins, get it in their head that... You know, okay, this guy bought this company from our dad and now he's a multi-billionaire and we're getting like table scraps and let's go back to the original paperwork and see if like anything fishy went on that we could be entitled to more money, basically. Um, So they claimed in court that they were entitled to 20% of Apotex's net worth. I understand wanting to get that money but like Barry was also it sounds like taking pretty fucking good care of them yeah I should say like, so this just seems like a spit in the face to someone who's giving millions of dollars to like help their family mm-hmm. yeah. yeah well at some they like got it in their heads basically that they were owed more and that he was giving them money as like a bribe to stop them from getting their fair share this is how they... It's fucking bullshit. It sounds like bullshit. It is bullshit. And actually, the cousins did not have a strong claim, and they lost in court. And Barry cut them off during, you know, obviously, when they brought the claim, he was like, okay, well, fuck you. I'm not 
Yeah. Yeah. Paying for your. I'm not going to funnel millions of dollars to you ungrateful little shit. Right. And then when they lost in court, he demanded to be repaid $300,000 in legal fees. And the judge ruled that he was owed that. And like they didn't have the money. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's a little. Um, <laughs> he was pissed. Well, a little them, petty. Yeah. A little them. petty. He was fuck pissed. them, but also this guy does not need $300,000. No. That's like 50 bucks to this motherfucker. Right. But still, it's a lot of old shitty cars. Uh, the timing of the judge's ruling in this case uh, came just a few months before the murders, which also raised no. eyebrows. So the ruling came, the case went on for a long time, but the ruling came in September 2017 and they were murdered in December. God damn it. And Carrie Winter, that one cousin that I was telling you about, has admitted to journalists, quote, I had plenty of opportunity and motive to kill Barry. I work as a supervisor on building sites. Nobody's watching me. I don't punch in. I don't punch out. I start my day when I want. I leave when I want. I take lunch when I want. But I didn't do it. It's the truth. Okay. Uh, you didn't need to say all that. <laughs> yeah, you're this <laughs> detailed. Um, Quiet down, Carrie. Carrie. <laughs> Her brother's like, shut the fuck up. Yeah, I think <laughs> His Car- brother. Yeah, Carrie's a dude. Carrie's a man. So Carrie no. maintains that he was at home watching Peaky Blinders on Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Carrie's stock I believe just it. went up in my book. I believe it. Um, at the time of the slangs and that, and just the fact that he hasn't been arrested kind of points to the fact that like, they must have checked out this alibi and there must be something to suggest that like, I'm sure there's a way to like check the IP address and like see what was in use at the time of the murders. And they could probably corroborate that like his Netflix account was active at that time or whatever. Right. There had to, and there had to be among other things. Yeah, exactly. Well, also I kind of doubt that he would have gone and done it himself. Like that's kind of a hitman. It seems. Yeah. But if he's broke as fuck, how's he hiring a hitman? They can't even pay the $300,000. In legal fees. Yeah, but you could hire a hitman for like 10 grand. I suppose. But then it's not a very good hitman. Yeah. But also like (laughs) at that point, he's not, they're not going to make any money off of the deaths. Right. You know, like there's no way he's still in the will after this legal battle. Yeah. Because Barry has four kids. So like they're not going to be the next to take over the company money or whatever. Right. So it would just be revenge. It would not be to get money. Exactly. There, oh. even, well, then in that case, he might have done it himself because it's like a personal thing. Yeah. And again, nothing was gone from the house. Right. Mm-hmm. So we just, we don't know. There are even more theories. We don't have time to get into all of them. Some seem a little far-fetched. Barry was known to have some pretty sketchy side business partners. Like he had this like weird penchant for like meeting not con men, but also not like super straight laced businessmen and being like, you're interesting. Let's start, Let's start a, a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Oh no. Yeah. Um, as just kind of, I think just to like keep himself entertained almost. Um, some of these people even went to prison for fraud, but like Barry was not implicated. Um, 
But again, none of them would have much incentive to kill Barry because he was giving them money. He was their meal ticket. Right. Right. Why would they want to cut off that gravy train? Right. And then, okay, this is the last theory, and it's the most bizarre. Jewish terrorists. Okay. (laughs) So, (laughs) Barry was once targeted by the Canadian wing of the Jewish Defense League, which sounds like your run-of-the-mill religious charity, but is actually a radical far-right extremist group on the FBI's terror watch list. So they're defending Judaism or they're defending against it? They're defending Judaism. Okay. From threats that they perceive. Um, and so they were, it seems counterintuitive because you're like, well, he was Jewish, but like there's a lot of different, you know, nuances within. And, atheist. Well, he said he was atheist. Um, yeah. But they were also pissed at him for his political leanings because he supported Justin Trudeau and did, like, fundraisers for him. Oh. And Justin Trudeau supported the Iran nuclear deal, mm. which they were very much against because they hate Iran and it's they see Iran as an existential threat to Israel. Um. At the time of his death, Barry was also being investigated for possibly violating some anti-lobbying laws because of his support for Justin Trudeau and, like, all the fundraising that he did for him. But whatever. That does become such a gray area when you own and operate a multi-billion dollar company, but then you also have personally aligned politically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that that can get a little sketchy. And I don't know what the campaign finance rules are in Canada, but I'm going to guess that they're more strict than what we have in the States. Probably. Uh, Um, One should hope so. So anyway, for now, that's all we have. Just all these different theories and no answers. Seriously? Yeah. God damn it. It happened in December 2017. It didn't happen very long ago. Long enough that I want some fucking justice for Barry and Honey. I know. I know. God. So and, and it's the like, seven Tylenol. Yeah, that's victims. not that long ago, but the longer it goes, the less likely it is they're gonna find who did this. Exactly. Yeah. And it's already been two years. And there have been so, no arrests. Yeah. That's not good. So Barry But that also makes me feel like the theory of another uh like big pharma conglomerate having him taken out mm-hmm. feels the most likely to me because with nothing taken from mm-hmm. the home and no, like the cousins not being able to get money. And even with the Jewish terrorist situation, that seems a little too, that's a bit of a stretch. They basically that like, seems like a stretch outside of one of his right. parties. I mean, th- that right. group is a terrorist group and they have like attempted assassinations and committed like mm-hmm. bomb attacks and whatever. Um, but I, Barry didn't sound like he was like a top, top target for them. Yeah, that doesn't s- add up to me. Right. But a, another multi-billion dollar pharmaceutical conglomerate with a lot to lose by mm-hmm. these generics undercutting their business would have the motive and the money mm-hmm. to have this done in a very professional, covert, yeah. very clean professional way where like there's no fucking evidence. Mm-hmm. That just seems the most likely to me. Mm -hmm. I think so, too. Um, Barry owned more than 90% of Apotex's shares, all of which have now passed to the Sherman children. 
none of them work in the pharmaceuticals industry, so they will likely sell the company if they haven't already. Um, I don't think they have yet, though, because reportedly they're trying to find a buyer that will keep as many jobs in Canada as possible because that was something that right. was really important to their parents. And they right. they did keep a lot of their manufacturing in Canada, even though it was higher cost to do so because mm-hmm. they wanted to create jobs. That's great. By American. Mm-hmm. By Canadian. I mean, for real. Yeah. So that's Honey. the case. I know. I'm so sad that there's not like an answer. Yeah. But isn't that wild? That's, that's super wild. Mm-hmm. Care of is a subscription service that delivers vitamins and supplements customized for your specific health needs. You take a short quiz and answer questions about your diet, your lifestyle, your fitness and health goals. And care of puts together a personalized plan just for you. It's amazing. And you can give yourself support this season with a boost, whether you're looking for energy, better sleep, that's the one that I got, um, or to maintain stress, mm-hmm. something else to help you feel your healthiest, Care Of has something for you. Care Of has a fun online quiz that asks you about your diet, your health goals, and your lifestyle choices. It only takes about five minutes to find out your personal, scientifically-backed vitamin and supplement recommendations. It is amazing. And their website is so pretty, and there's so much information there. It just Mm -hmm. makes all of this seem very accessible because there are approximately 12 trillion different types of vitamins and supplements out there. It can be really hard to know which ones you should be taking, but Care Of makes it easy to find out what you specifically need to be your healthiest, again, with those goals in mind. They also come in a cute little package. You can just throw it in your purse. You can take it throughout the day. If you don't like taking multiple pills at one time, you can space them out. That's how I like to do it. Yeah, same. I love it. And Care Of makes sure what you're putting in your body comes from the best sources backed by honest guidance and transparency, all available to you on their website. Like I said, very informational. They just make it really easy. Mm -hmm. So for 25% off your first Care Of order, go to TakeCareOf.com and enter promo code GALS. That's G-A-L-S. Again, that's 25% off your first Care Of order. Go to TakeCareOf.com and enter that code GALS. Mm. Treat your bod. Treat it. Away creates thoughtful products designed to change how you see the world. They started with a perfect suitcase, literally perfect, crafted with features that make travel more seamless. Now they offer a range of essentials that solve real travel problems. So all you have to think about is where you're headed next, because getting away means getting more out of every trip to come. Don't we know it? Mm-hmm. Away knows that everyone has a different travel style. That's why they make their carry-on in an array of colors. I have this like beautiful powder blue, and I am obsessed. Two sizes. I have the bigger carry-on and I am obsessed and two materials a strong yet flexible polycarbonate and an anodized aluminum I am not good at pronouncing these things, but my God, are they helpful. So let me talk to you about the carry-on. This is a lightweight and durable shell that's made to last for a lifetime of travel. I'm a big carry-on bag only person. I like to pack really light and have that stretch throughout my trip. So the carry-on is so perfect. It's it got those four 360-degree spinner wheels that guarantee a smooth ride uh, with our backs. I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. It has completely changed how I drag a bag through the airport, let me tell you. Um, and there's, like, TSA-approved locks. It has, you know, the ejectable battery that can charge your phone, your computer. Ugh, it has the so battery. many great elements. Yeah, mm-hmm. for real. 
And if the carry-on's just a little too snug for you, they also offer the bigger carry-on. It mm. is sized up just a little bit to make the most of that overhead bin. And let me tell you, you can fit a lot you can. in either the carry-on or the bigger carry-on. I have both because I can't stop myself. <laughs> I have the bigger carry-on and I have the medium like being overnighted to me as we speak. So it's ready for the next leg of tour. That's how oh, much we love these What color did bags. you get? I got the baby blue so it would match my other color Perfect. Bag. And yeah. your hair. And my hair. And my lifestyle. These suitcases also come with a limited lifetime warranty, meaning they will fix or replace your bag if anything ever gets damaged, which is crucial. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. And the bigger carry-on also has that ejectable battery. That is my favorite part. It comes Mm -hmm. in handy. There are two ports in the battery, so if you really need to charge your phone real quick. There's like a fast port. It's brilliant. It's so great. So again, these suitcases are designed to last a lifetime, but if any part of your suitcase breaks, Away's standout customer service, and that is a, that is very real. Yeah. Their team will arrange to have it fixed or replaced ASAP. They also offer that 100-day trial on everything that Away makes. Mm-hmm. You can take it out on the road. You can live with it, travel with it, get lost with it. You can uh, perform a little synchronized routine and put we it on your Instagram story. We literally did that in New Orleans. <laughs> we love our Away bags that much. We love them. And so you can return any non-personalized item for a full refund. No ifs, ands, or asterisks. Mm. They also offer free shipping on any away order within the contiguous United States, Europe, and Australia. Love and it. you can get away offline, too. If you want to see it for yourself, you can shop everything away at their stores in New York, Austin, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Boston, Chicago, and London. They're adding more stores, and that makes me so happy. We're going to yes. be in L.A., and we're going to be in San Francisco, and I just feel like maybe we need to stop by away at both of those I mean, locations. the only one I'm missing is the medium, so I'm coming for you. For real. We can't endorse this product highly enough. We all use away luggage, and we all love it. And mm-hmm. we want to get you $20 off a suitcase. So visit awaytravel.com forward slash gals20 and use that promo code gals20 during checkout to get $20 off a suitcase. Again, that's $20 off. I'm going to use the code. I'm using it when I order my medium. It's happening. Mm. Mm-hmm. And that works out by visiting awaytravel.com forward slash gals20. That's G-A-L-S two zero. Use that promo code gals20 during checkout. Get that 20 bucks off and treat yo travel. Treat it. If you've ever seen me in person, you might have noticed how thick my glasses are because my eyes are real bad. She thick with two C's. She thick. But that is just another reason why I like to have multiple pairs of glasses to kind of rotate those out. And I am an enormous fan of Warby Parker. Yup. Ever heard of them? Ever heard of them? (laughs) Warby Parker offers a free home try-on program. So they let you order five pairs of glasses and then try them on for five days so you can see which ones just look the best on your face. Mm -hmm. And if you can't make up your mind, you can always throw a little cocktail party, have some friends over, and let them vote because that's what I did. Mm -hmm. You got five days to figure it out. There is no obligation to buy any of them, but 
there's a good chance you'll want to buy like at least three of them. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It ships for free. That is both to you and then back to Warby Parker and includes a prepaid return shipping label. Mm -hmm. You can head to warbyparker.com forward slash gals. That's G-A-L-S to order your free home try-ons today. Glasses start at $95. Nothing. Yeah. And that includes prescription lenses. Yeah. Lenses include anti-glare and anti-scratch coatings and... And blue light filtering lenses are also now available because also I look at a screen 100% of my waking hours. We all stare at screens constantly. These blue light filtering lenses are like the hot new thing and they are amazing. Amazing. And like the home try-on kit is awesome, but I'm a huge fan of the Warby Parker app. So if you have an iPhone 10, you can download the Warby Parker app where you can use their brand new virtual try-on Ugh, the that allows you, now. and it's here, and this mm-hmm. allows you to try on glasses, like seeing the realistic color, texture, size of each style using just your phone. I have a couple pairs of Warby Parker glasses, but I use the Warby Parker app to find my sunglasses that I am obsessed with, my prescription yes. sunglasses. And yeah, it's great. Like if you're on the road a lot like we are we've obviously used the at-home try-on when we've had a little bit more time but if you're on if you're traveling and you can't get that at-home try-on the iphone 10 warby parker app with that virtual try-on is flawlessly perfect we love it um, but in the meantime, check out that at-home try-on. Go to warbyparker.com forward slash gals to order your free home try-ons today. Check these out. These glasses are amazing. Treat yo face. Treat yo eyeballs. So, my case. We have talked about the opioid epidemic several times on the show, and we all know how we feel about it. So I'm going to keep my rant to an absolute minimum, but (laughs) I just want to make it very clear (laughs) that this epidemic does exist and it hurts everyone, including folks who suffer from chronic pain and are not addicted to the medication, folks who are uninsured or underinsured who can no longer afford their medication and turn to the street to manage their pain, folks who are consistently over-prescribed these medications that are highly addictive, and this is what I'll be focusing on today mostly. Um, Also, I pieced together this case from like six fucking legal documents and a grillion articles because every time I read one article about this shit, it linked me to another tentacle of racketeering nonsense. <laughs> so I had to condense it a lot. So you're basically big, an investigative journalist at this point. A thousand person. <laughs> I read so many like affidavits and like legal docs and like court filings. I was like, who am i chain smoking chain smoking (laughs) cigarettes over a cup of coffee under one lamp and like (laughs) like a sad basement i'm like with with like little red pieces of string on my tag board like connecting people together (laughs) emaciated completely it all happened in like the course of three days it was a really Mm -hmm. really intense it was a dark time Mm -hmm. it was a dark time uh this has been a very challenging topic for me uh so i had to condense this a lot it's big fucking case. I want to stress how fucked up the situation is without going on and on for a million years. So I'm just going to start. Okay. So in 2017, the New Jersey state attorney general filed a lawsuit against an Arizona based pharmaceutical company called Insys Therapeutics Incorporated. The suit accused the manufacturer of breaking state laws, specifically the Consumer Fraud Act and the False Claims Act by aggressively pushing a new painkiller called Subsys, which is a pain relief 
sepsis, <laughs> which is a pain relief spray. And there is a photo of it on the drive, which will be on the blog. Um, Ooh, and it. pain relief spray sounds really weird, but when we get into what it's actually used for, it makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. So the active ingredient in the spray is fentanyl. Oh, scary. Which is, yep. That is scary. Which is not only, yeah, that alone is scary, but it, fentanyl is not only very potent for pain relief, but it also acts as a sedative. So it's like very dangerous to use. Um, the effects of fentanyl are similar to heroin. And despite the medical uses for this prescription opioid, it's diverted from medical use. And it's also illicitly manufactured a lot mm-hmm. and sold on the black market. Um, pharmaceutical fentanyl is estimated to be anywhere from 50, <coughs> excuse me, 50 to 100 times more powerful than morphine. Oh, yeah, it's intense. And it should only be prescribed in cases of severe, otherwise unmanageable pain. Mm-hmm. So subsis specifically is 100 times more powerful than morphine. Um, the complaint against this company was filed in the throes of a spiraling overdose death rate in New Jersey, where an investigation in early 2017 found that doctors were profiting off a spike in prescriptions for fentanyl and evidence showed that Insys Therapeutics was pushing for quote, broad based consumption of subsis, which is specifically intended for patients who are gravely ill with end stage cancer. Yeah. Where like give it to everyone. Becoming to manage to a their drug breakthrough is like pain. the least of their problems and is well, absolutely exactly. necessary. And, it's, and it was only approved by the FDA for, quote, the narrow purpose of treating cancer pain in patients who had developed a tolerance to opioids. Mm-hmm. So it was like last this, resort. L- this is making you comfortable as you die. Yeah. And it's, it's a spray. Comforting. It's literally a spray because most of these folks are so ill they can't even swallow so they have to like uh, spray it in the back of their throat. Uh, so this is very clearly a medication that is not meant for treating like fucking migraines. Right. And we will get into that. Um, so the attorney general said, quote, we contend that the company used every trick in the book, including sham speaking and consulting fees and other illegal kickbacks in a callous campaign to boost profits from the sales of its marquee drug subsis. All of this investigating was started in 2013 when a woman named Maria Guzman, a former INSYS sales rep, blew the whistle on their shady practices and filed an action in the U.S. District Court calling out the company for its illegal sales and marketing practices surrounding subsists in particular. Mm-hmm. This lawsuit was brought under the Protection of the False Claims Act, which allows whistleblowers to sue on behalf of the government and share in any recovery, which I am pretty sure means they get a cut of the settlement should it get to that point. But I'm super bad at translating legal jargon. So that's just where I'm at. (laughs) And it was very dark in that basement. It was so dark in that basement. And I was like 18 cups of coffee in. And it's just you get what you get. So Guzman said that Insys engaged in a nationwide scheme to defraud Medicare and Medicaid by bribing doctors through kickbacks that range from cash Mm -hmm. to personal favors, even to sex to prescribe large doses of substance, especially to federally insured patients who never should have received the drug in the first place. Mm-hmm. Quote, using a mantra of pain is gain, Guzman <gasps> alleged that Insys illegally pushed the prescription of substance for lesser off-label conditions, such as back pain and migraines. No. Oh, uh, my God. Yeah. So I could have been prescribed this highly you, yep. addictive spray. A thousand. Per- oh, uh, don't even get me started. Like, there's other shit. It's fucking crazy. Um 
Guzman was fired in 2013 after refusing to participate in the scheme. Big shock. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense why she'd be chomping at the bit to take these assholes down because she was like, I'm not going to fucking do this. This is super unethical. Mm-hmm. And they were like, cool, you're fired. Mm-hmm. Um, the investigation found oncologists only accounted for a tiny fraction of substance prescriptions, which were being handed out by family doctors, nurse practitioners, and physicians assistants at a much higher rate. Mm-hmm. The attorney's an attorney general's office claims Insys representatives aggressively pushed the doctors to consider off-label use of the drug, even to podiatrists and other specialty practitioners who typically would have no need to prescribe potent painkillers. Yeah. Your fucking foot doctor is prescribing you a fentanyl-based pain spray. Yeah. Like, I totally understand. I totally understand that chronic pain, especially, like, chronic foot pain, it is fucking brutal. I suffer from neuropathy. I get it. But this is so over the top in terms of treatment and is literally deadly. It's so fucked up. Yeah. Um, doctors are allowed to prescribe meds for off-label, off-label use, which literally means prescribing a medication intended for one thing as a treatment for another thing. Mm -hmm. And doctors are allowed to do that because just oftentimes working closely with those medications, you'll find along the way that they can be helpful to treat other conditions. I've used birth control to treat migraines migraines, acne, like all kinds of things like that. But pharmaceutical companies are legally not allowed to promote their drugs for off-label use. And this company, Insys, was doing that with Subsys, Mm -hmm. which is super fucked up. So state authorities say the company gave kickbacks to doctors in the form of phony speakers fees that really served as payments for off-label prescriptions that gave patients the painkillers for purposes not approved by the FDA. The investigation found that many doctors across the state received lucrative payments from drug companies from 2013 to 2015, and some doctors in New Jersey were paid at least $1.67 million by pharmaceutical companies marketing various forms of the synthetic opioid fentanyl, including the company Insys. So these doctors are like getting bribes from not just this company, although this one did it in a much more blatant Mm -hmm. and like irresponsible way. But this is not an uncommon practice in large pharmaceuticals, especially name brand pharmaceuticals. Other other like types of bribery where they're like all expense paid trip to this convention in Honolulu. Yup. And that's exactly the kind of shit that they were doing. So a former sales rep for Insys, a woman named Michelle Breitenbach, was arrested and charged with second-degree conspiracy to commit commercial bribery in 2018. She had been employed by Insys from February 2012 until October 2016, at which point she was laid off. She admitted that she helped fuel the opioid addiction crisis by bribing doctors to prescribe subsis. The bribery was thinly veiled by the pharmaceutical company's, quote, Speakers Bureau program, which is basically what you were just saying, Mm -hmm. Kenyon. Um, It alleged to hire doctors who prescribe the medication to participate in speaking engagements that educated other doctors about the meds. Mm -hmm. So that's like the fake front. But in reality, these events involved free meals at expensive restaurants, resorts. Doctors are paid as speakers even if they don't speak at all or even if there is no event and other doctors are not even showing up to this event. They're still getting paid speakers fees. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) Yeah. So that's just bribery. They're not literally just bribery. No, they're not even trying. 
And Breitenbach stated in court that management at INSYS pressured sales representatives to promote the Speakers Bureau program as a primary means to drive increased sales of subsists. She admitted that the payments made to the doctors as, quote, speakers were actually rewards for prescribing more subsists. She literally came out and said that that's what was happening. I feel like our international listeners are just going to be, like, screaming at their phones at this point. I know. And all the Americans it's, are, like, so jaded. We're like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're like, oh, yeah, oh, it's, this is how it is. You shouldn't bribe doctors to prescribe drugs that could kill people yeah. and are highly addictive and also are barely regulated. Yeah. Fucking weird. And affect yeah. generations of Americans. Yeah. And also like entire communities yeah. are destroyed by this kind this level of addiction. Like it's super fucked up. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's so easy to hide it in more wealthy communities where like folks can, you know, keep things more under wraps but like this also this opioid epidemic affects a lot of poor and underserved communities as well in like a very harsh and fucked up way mm -hmm. um billionaire founder of insys john kapoor along with four other insys executives uh richard m simon the company's former national director of sales sunrise lee and joseph a rowan both one-time regional sales directors and former vice president of managed markets michael j gurry Mm. were arrested and charged with racketeering, illegal distribution of a controlled substance, mail fraud, wire fraud, honest services mail fraud, and honest services wire fraud. I don't know what those things are, hmm. but that's Sounds a lot. Sounds bad. Doesn't sound Sounds good. bad. No. All five were found guilty just this past May, and this was the first ever conviction of a drug company CEO in the federal government's fight against the opioid crisis. Mm. So, like, the federal government is trying to crack down more and hold uh, pharmaceutical companies responsible. And hopefully this means like more greedy big pharma fucks will be brought to justice for this like shady as fuck behavior. Um, Unless they're in the Trump cabinet. And I know, right. But it is not just the big pharma folks that all have to face consequences, but obviously the doctors who accepted bribes at the risk of their patients. Well, fucking being good. Um, on May 4th, 2018, the Attorney General's Office and Division of Consumer Affairs announced that the Board of Medical Examiners had revoked the license of a Cherry Hill, New Jersey family physician, Dr. Vivian Matalon, for recklessly prescribing substance to three patients, including a woman who died while taking the drug. Mm -hmm. Great. Yep. The Attorney General's Office has also filed a pending complaint seeking to revoke the license of Warren County Pain Management Practitioner Dr. Kenneth Sun for allegedly accepting over $136,000 from INSYS while prescribing subsys. His license is currently suspended, but I don't, I haven't followed up on where that suit is at. Yeah. Um, a Florida doctor, Michael Fry, also admitted that he received kickbacks from INSYS. Uh, Dr. Fry pled guilty to conspiring to receive kickbacks from a medical equipment provider and a pharmaceutical sales representative in exchange for writing prescriptions for subsys. Um, he admitted that INSYS paid him kickbacks to participate in bogus speaking engagements to get him to prescribe the, me the medication. Um, he like took a, took a deal and agreed to cooperate with authorities and had to pay $2.8 million as part Whoa. of a civil settlement. Yeah. Well, there goes all that fucking subsist money. Yeah. Um, Dr. Gordon Friedman, who is working on the Upper East Side of Manhattan, was one of the country's top prescribers of the <laughs> drug. And Dr. J I know, right? And Dr. Gerald Rosenberg, another top prescriber out of Rhode Island, were also charged and are facing five plus years in prison because they pled not guilty. So it's like 
just fucking plea out and pay mm-hmm. your shit or you're going to go to court and they're going to fucking find you guilty because anyone who's been touched by this suit is like dropping like fucking flies. The cognitive dissonance that must exist in the minds of these doctors who are just well, like clearly accepting money to yeah. prescribe this fucking medication. Mm-hmm. And I posted photos of like a couple of the doctors that have been charged on the drive, which will eventually be on the blog. And it's just like old portly white men, Mm -hmm. just like exactly the kind of doctor that you would imagine being like a shady podiatrist fucking being paid to give Mm -hmm. his patients with like foot pain, a fucking fentanyl based yeah, medication. Is, you know what like, works better than aspirin? Yeah, maybe Fentanyl. ten or fifteen years ago, doctors didn't fully know the effects mm. or how dangerous now these drugs we know. were. But now we know. Yeah, and this has been this case, like this filing, just happened in 2013. Mm-hmm. So obviously they've been doing this for a little while, but like we have been aware of the issues surrounding opioids for a lot longer than fucking 2013. Mm -hmm. Like there's no fucking excuse for it. Um, Quote, as we have alleged in multiple court filings, a primary cause of the devastating opioid epidemic gripping the country has been overprescribing of prescription opioids. Obviously it's a lot more complicated than that, but that is a huge part of it. Uh, driven by the greed of manufacturers like Purdue Pharma and Insys. Uh, We are fighting the opioid epidemic on all fronts, including through criminal prosecutions and civil actions against mercenary pharmaceutical companies, their employees, and irresponsible prescribers, which I think is fucking great. Mm -hmm. Um, Other states are also taking up arms against Insys. There's like a massive list of states that are are seeing direct effects of this specific situation. Mm -hmm. And also filing lawsuits, including Minnesota, Mm. who joined the fray in May of 2018. The Minnesota chapter of the lawsuit was filed because state attorneys general are seeking to hold pharmaceutical companies responsible for the opioid epidemic sweeping the nation. And they are partially responsible, so they should be held as such. Mm -hmm. Um, The Minnesota Board of Pharmacy also joined in filing an administrative action seeking civil penalties. Uh, this is, I mean, this is all ongoing, so I'm not sure where Minnesota is at. They just filed in May of 2018. So I'll be interested to see how that pans Mm -hmm. out. Yeah. I mean, this as like a type one diabetic, who's obviously reliant on like modern medicine and the, the miracle of like modern pharmaceuticals, this shit just boils my blood because this is just another reason why like for-profit healthcare is so fucked up. Yep. These companies don't give a single fuck about the well-being of their patients. Mm-hmm. They just want money. And we see these issues all the time. Like just the rising cost of insulin is fucking absurd. Mm-hmm. This is a medication that literally, if I don't take it for like, three or four days I could die. Yeah. Like it's not, it's not an elective like any other just product in capitalism. Right. It's It's not my awesome. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's not my fancy, like expensive face cream. Mm -hmm. It is the thing that keeps my body from shutting down. Well, My face cream is the thing that keeps my body from shutting down, but I see what you're saying. You get what I'm saying. Um, also anyway, just like as somebody with chronic back pain, Mm-hmm. It's I've been prescribed opioid painkillers and I'm terrified to take them. Mm. Like I did not ask for them. I don't want them. I'm scared to take them. 
and mm-hmm. try to avoid it as much as humanly possible. Right. And that's not to say that that medication isn't effective if you have like a good relationship with your physician, mm-hmm. if you understand the possibilities and the repercussions of taking that drug, if you take it responsibly under like good supervision. Yes, it can be absolutely effective. I'm not saying that nobody should be able to have access to this kind of medication, but obviously something has gone wrong along the way. It started going wrong a really long time ago. And the statistics support that this, like when these drugs came on the market, there was a huge uptick in opioid overdose and opioid use, both pharmaceutical and on the street. And like, we can't ignore that that shit is happening Mm -hmm. and we have to do something about it because people are dying. Mm -hmm. Preach. It's super fucked up. It's super fucked up. So that was me being pretty angry for like, two days three days right in this fucking case mm-hmm. i'm glad that it's over because it's i don't out. want to talk it's about it anymore i don't want to talk about it special thanks uh actually thank you mark because this was a very yeah, interesting topic and we had a lot to go off of so thank you to mm-hmm. our fan picker mark body hottie with the body hottie with the body go ahead lucy oh <laughs> Thank you, Jackie Chaplin. Just gonna put on a top hat, dance right out of this one with your $5 a month. Thank you so much. Nailed it. (laughs) Maddie Morehouse, because of your generous donation, we all might be able to get more house one day. (laughs) Someday. I I might be able to get out of my basement apartment next to an abandoned Burger King. (laughs) Someday. Private parking lot. (laughs) Whenever people are like, oh my God, it's so cool and like glamorous that you're going on tour and you do this podcast, it's your full-time job and blah, blah, blah. People think we make like a bunch of money. (laughs) And I'm like, I live in a place without sunlight Mm -hmm. that's like constantly surrounded by garbage next to an abandoned fucking Burger King. Burger King. Now I everybody knows where large. you live, but yes. Yep. Yep. All right. <laughs> Correct. Shout out to Liz Fisher. I am mm. fishing for puns here. And Fisher, hardly nowhere. <laughs> hardly nowhere. <laughs> Thank you for your five bucks. God bless. Jessica Harrow, you are our heroine. <laughs> I need a hero. <laughs> and not in the drug way, the but the, the hero night. way. She's gotta be strong and she's gotta be fast and she's gotta be fresh in the face. <laughs> oh, okay. Anyone? Nope. No? Yeah, we get it. Okay. We got it. Yep. Jenny Picciano, maybe. Picciano. Picciano. <laughs> Prazole. Uh, Prazole. <laughs> You're a uh, peach. Yeah, you're a real peach, Jenny Picciano. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is it my turn? Yep. Yum. Kelsey Zimniski. Zimniski. Mm, Zimniski. Kelsey. Zimniski business. Oh, yes. Thank you. Mm. Zimniski. You're pretty Zimnifty. <laughs> Blew it. <laughs> Jennifer Forte, mm. you are str- you are strong with your five dollar a month game, Jennifer mm-hmm. Forte. Your generosity is one of your fortes. Yes, it truly is. Uh, Michelle Langford, uh, Langford hardly know her. <laughs> hardly know her. <laughs> hardly know her. Hardly know her. <laughs> Amber Marie Flick. 
Cue oh. Amanda Flick making it. a joke. <laughs> about, <laughs> about flicking right on the beam. All right. <laughs> Suzanne Larson, you're mm. practically committing larceny <laughs> with your $5 a month. Jesus. Thank you so much. Incredible. Natalie D'Amato, tomato D'Amato. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for your donation. <laughs> Teresa Lee. We absolutely yes. love <laughs> your generosity. <laughs> Thank you, Amy P. Karstner. We're going to parse out your donation so we can buy mozzarella sticks on tour. Oh, yeah. From our Karstner. Thank you, Amy. <laughs> mm. And Amanda Kudo, kudos to you, Amanda Kudo. <laughs> thank you for your support. And thank you, Ezra Acton. You were Ooh. acting on some generous In our best interests. Yeah. <laughs> we're no better than Ezra. <laughs> no, there it is. We are no better than Ezra. <laughs> Hate it. Thank you, Julie Westmoreland. Mm. That sounds like a geography lesson. Oh, Two thousand kilometers from Peniston, <laughs> west of Moorland. Mm-hmm. Oh, you uh, are kicking off our ten dollars a month tier, so you will be getting ooh. a free fucking patriarchy fucking flexible wine glass. Mm-hmm. It's fucking sweet. You're gonna fucking love it. Fucking love it. Uh, Rosita Crystal, we're popping the crystal, crystal in your honor, yeah. Rosita. Thank you for your $10 a month donation. Keep an eye out for that FPWG. And thank you, Carrie <laughs> Raditz. You are mm. rad ass, girlfriend. Yeah, you thank are. you, Carrie. Thank you also, Tatiana Sophia. Mm. Jesus, you your name is like a fancy bottle of wine. I'm into 100%. it. 100 <laughs> percent I'm Tatiana Sophia. Ah, uh, Ariel Tharp. Uh, you make us want to <laughs> play the harp out of joy. Yeah, I want to be part of your world, Ariel. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Dingle hopper. Dingle hopper. <laughs> Snarf blat. <laughs> Jenny Elftman. Jenna Elfman is donating to the podcast, <laughs> you guys. The Jenna Elfman. We've made it. Thank you so much, Jenny. I'm sorry. I'm sure everyone does that to you. I apologize. Definitely. Kicking off our trash queen level, we got Kara Miller at $15 a month. You will be getting a piece of dusty, dusty trash. Kara <laughs> Miller. Miller you, hardly know her. You care yep. about us. Yes, you, you do. You do care about us. <laughs> As does Anne Konings, you're going to be getting epic shit Konings of trash in the coming, in the Konings months. <laughs> in the Konings months. <laughs> you lucky, lucky, lucky person. And <laughs> Ashley Small will also be getting dusty trash and it will be a small piece of trash because we don't want to pay too much for shipping, but something non-perishable from Lucy's home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I sent out some trash that uh, I had received from a ch- a ch- one of my Chinese students. 
Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. by that, I mean one of my students in China. Mm-hmm. It sounded a little casually racist when I said it. <laughs> when we talked, and it was like in a, China. it was like a leather fish with like a bell on it and some Chinese yes. symbols. And I actually had two of them from two different students, so I sent oh. both of them out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Somebody sent me an Instagram message with this picture. It's like, okay, I'm gonna need this story behind this. <laughs> yeah. and it's like, what? literally no story. Also, there's two of them. So, yeah. so <laughs> you and some other stranger. have have matching leather fish. Friendship fish. <laughs> Friendship fish. I love it. We love when you Instagram and tweet and whatever your, the trash. your trash queen yes. items. So keep that coming. I love knowing where the trash goes. Keep yeah, it Yeah, it's great. Uh, another trash queen. We got Tiffany Gaddy on behalf of the Ladies of Strange podcast. Mm. Ooh, yeah. Chatty Gaddy. Check it Chatty. out. Ooh, Tiffany Gaddy. Okay. Mm, she's a Gaddy daddy. Yeah. And Tiffany also increased their pledge from 10 to $15 a month. Fun fact, you can do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love it. You know who else increased their, don- <laughs> their donation from $5 to $25 a month? Is Violet Beauregard. <laughs> yes. yes. I'm, I'm changing my name now. to your name. A hundred percent. I have a feeling... Either your parents were real Willy Wonka enthusiasts or you might be operating under a pseudonym. Either way, I'm obsessed with you. (laughs) Thank you for your $25 a month donation. You get to pick a case and or topic and or wine if we can actually get the wine. Yeah, send us an email if you haven't already. I love it. Kat Drayton, $25 Mm. once off. Ooh, Would you look we're at that, not hating on Cat Drake. That's right. No, we're not. Thank you so much for your once off. And if you are like any of Amanda's ex boyfriends and are afraid of mm. commitment, you too can give once off via our online store, Wine and Crime Podcast. No commitment necessary. Mm. Love it. Love it. Last but not least, we got Sam Kidd. With a $50 once-off donation, Sam says, please get all the mozzarella sticks and wine with my small donation. (laughs) Sam, it's not small, and it will buy Mm. a lot of mozzarella sticks. That's going to be really helpful on tour. Thank you, Sam. And also, we already talked about getting mop sticks earlier in this special. Thanks. I know. (laughs) I had mozzarella sticks last night. (laughs) I'm really hungry. (laughs) I really appreciate your donations. I'm so fucking hungry. All right. We love you. Love you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Wine and Crime. Our cover art is by Kali Yip. Music by Phil Young and Corey Wendell. Editing by Jonathan Camp. Check out our website and blog at wineandcrimepodcast.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at wineandcrimepod. If you have questions, answers, or recommendations to share, email us at wineandcrimepodcast at gmail.com. Episodes are available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, basically wherever you get your podcasts. Most importantly, if you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. It really is the best way to spread the word. If you'd like to show your support and get a shout out on air, visit our Patreon page to keep this podcast and the wine flowing. Cheers! Dumb and Busted Pop Quiz Hotshot. Kay hit me. A pervy arsonist who has a weird thing for men's shoes. Episode 5, Firestarter. Yes. Twins who box for work and murder for fun. Episode 42, Cray Cray. Yes. Last one. Creepiest creeper who terrorizes a family with handwritten letters. Episode 39, Watch Out. Hell yeah. For true crime stories of insane stupidity and exceptional genius, listen and subscribe to Dumb and Busted on iTunes, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. (laughs) 